Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Josh Roberts. If I haven't met you, I'm the lead pastor here. And on behalf of my wife, our staff, and all of our dream teamers, we're pumped that you're here today. Uh, thanks for coming to church. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I believe that church is not just a place that we go, it's who we are. And so when we gather together, we're strengthened. And I believe that's going to happen for you today because you're here connected with other believers. Turn to look at your neighbor and say, there's some power in you that I need. I'm going to pray over you, and I want to jump right into today's message. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's the stable, it's the constant, it's the consistent thing in our lives. Thank you for your mercy and grace today. Lord, today we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Creator that has come now to give us power to do what you've called us to do. Lord, I ask as I speak today that you would use me to encourage and motivate and challenge those that are here in the auditorium and those watching online or listening to this at a later date. I thank you for the opportunity to present your word. Lord, give me boldness by the Holy Spirit to declare everything that you want your people to hear and experience today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The last few weeks, we've been looking at this picture of this ship. In fact, for the last year, it's outside in the lobby. If you haven't seen it, it's our mandate for the year. It's stay the course, full speed ahead. Would you say that with me? Stay the course. Say it from down here. Stay the course. Say it with someone. We're going to stay the course, full speed ahead. Full speed ahead. I really believe that this was a mandate for our church, but as I've been preaching the last 10 months as the new pastor, this has been a prophetic word for me. You know, sometimes we come to church and I preach a message I believe God's given me for you, but today I'm preaching a message that God's preaching to me through me to myself. So today I'm talking to myself. It's all right to talk to yourself. You're not crazy. Somebody, you need to talk to yourself. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Let your own ears, your natural ears, hear what your spirit man needs to declare over your life. And so today I'm preaching a message to myself, and it's a culmination of things that the Lord's been speaking to me over the last 10 months as your new pastor. And it's, it's, it's um, let me say it this way. Some people think that preachers should only preach what they've walked out and proved out. And I totally disagree with that statement. I like to preach what God is dealing with me about right now. To me, the most real messages that I could preach to you would be the ones, not that I've perfected or performed or ironed it all out. It's those messages that he's dealing with me about in my own personal life, out of my own time with him. And when I serve those messages up to you, to me, they're going to be the freshest messages you're going to get. So I'm going to ask you to hook up with me as I preach to myself today. Maybe it applies to you. But we've been looking at this ship for the last few months. We've been talking about two pieces of the ship. Number one, the rudder. Everybody say the rudder. And the rudder represents the Word of God. It's the, it's the constant. It's the, it's the direction in our life. The Word is the direction and the foundation for where God wants us to go. When we line our lives up with the Word, guess what? We will make it. We will succeed, and we will benefit from all of God's blessings. It's a good place to shout amen. 
When you put God's word first and you become a word first person and you make moves and you take direction for your life and you move the direction of your life in accordance with the word, the Bible says that you will succeed. That's what a rudder does on a ship. Without a rudder, it just spins around all over the place. And it doesn't make any ground. It doesn't take any territory. It doesn't accomplish much. But when you put a rudder on a ship, you can now get direction. I I like GPS in my car because the little lady on the phone tells me where to go. In 450 feet, take a left turn. And when I'm not paying attention and I'm jamming out to the music and me and Hunter are rocking out, and all of a sudden I hear her say, make a U-turn, you dummy, you missed it, 450 feet ago. That's what the Word of God does in our life. It helps direct us and then it helps redirect us. Say this with me. I am a word-first person. I like what Psalms 37.5 says out of the Passion It says, give God the right to direct your life. Give God the right. Give him the opportunity. Give him the privilege. Give him the right to direct your life. And then as you trust him along the way, you'll find out that he pulled it off perfectly. I was here years ago before I ever became a pastor. I was ministering here in 13 or 14, and and the Lord had me minister to people. This is when we did, I think, Saturday night service. And I had a group of people down there that I was praying for, and they said they needed prayer. And I went to pray for this man, and I said, what do you need from the Lord? And he said, I don't need anything. I'm a self-made man. And I just said, all right. And I took a step down the line, and I said, what do you need? And I prayed for this lady, and I went down, and the ushers behind me were saying, hey, that that guy, you skipped him. I said, I didn't skip him. He skipped himself. And they were like, wait, he came down for prayer. I said, I'm not sure why he's down. You know, I was kind of cantankerous back then. I'm not anymore. Put on my pastoral hat today. For you and I, as word-first people, I always want more of God. I realize that I'm not a self-made man. I got to where I am because of Him. I realize that, that because of His grace and mercy and by His ability to lead me through His Word, that's why I'm alive today. And that's the only reason I'm alive today. That's the only reason that I'm where I am today. And for you and the rest of us, man, the sooner we get back to this, the sooner we get success in our life. When we give God the right to direct our life, listen to this, it says, then you'll find out He Pulled it off perfectly. Can I just say this to you as nice as I can? Some of you are trying to do so much in your own power. You've got to recognize it's all God and only God that has brought you to this place. And it's all God and only God that will get you to that desire that's in your heart. Come on, Kenny. I'll preach with you, man. Listen, this is where we should be living right now. It's not about me or you. It's all about him. And when we recognize that, all of a sudden, man, I'm further down the road than I thought. Oh, I'm doing better than I thought. Oh, we're we're, we're achieving more. God's opened up. What is that? Giving God the right to direct our lives. That's the word. Everybody say the word. It's our rudder. And then the sails. Everybody say sails. The sails represent the opportunity to catch wind. When you look up the definition in in the dictionary of a sail, it is a wind-catching apparatus. 
In the Bible, the wind of God always represents the Spirit of God. One version of one definition, I think it's in the Greek, it's ruach. And it means the, it means the breath of God. Some translators translate to, 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 to the wind of God. This is where I want to camp today because this is where we need to finish this fourth quarter strong. We've stayed the course. We're maintaining course direction. We're on track. But I want to encourage you by the Spirit of God today as individuals, as couples, as single people, as grandparents, as grandkids, it is important that we pick up speed to finish this year where we intended from the beginning. God gave us direction. And he's given us thoughts and ideas and plans. And for you and I, during the 21 days that we started in January, for some of us, we got to go back and look at those journals and remember those things that we prayed out in a time of the Spirit when we felt the breath of God blowing on us and make sure that we don't miss this fourth quarter just because the holidays are coming and things get busy. The wind of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. I've said this to you before, but it bears repeating, and you should write it down. The most powerful message to an unbeliever is the message of Jesus. The most powerful message to a believer is the message of the Holy Spirit. Once you've received Jesus, your life has changed. The greatest power that you've ever experienced happened right there in that moment. But the next greatest message after you've received Jesus is the empowerment, the endowment of power by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus came. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you were uh, here, we talked about God sent Jesus into the earth. And then when he came, he turned around and sent us which means he was on mission, he's now put us on mission, and we find today, and we're going to talk about this, we have to have some power to fulfill the mission. You can have purpose and direction, but if you don't have the power, oh man, listen, you can know what your calling is, you can know your purpose, you can align your destiny with God's plan in his word and make it the rudder. But you'll only go so far because then the work of getting there comes in your own power. And I want to tell you this. There's no more work that you need to do. You need to rely on, trust in, and tap into the Holy Spirit, the wind, the the breath of God. So that we, when we do arrive at that place of success and purpose, and people say, how'd you get here? How'd you do that? You're able to say, it wasn't by my strength, might, or power. It was simply the, well, how'd you do it? I just lifted the sails of my heart. I lifted the sails of my mind. I lifted more sails in my spirit. I allowed more room for the Holy Spirit to move in my life. And other than that, I really don't know how I got here. The greatest testimony at the end of our lives is when we stand before Christ and he says, well done, Pastor Nick. You're able to say, really? Because I don't feel like I was able to do that much. But God, but you in me. I did everything that I was told to do and I allowed the Spirit of God to blow me in the direction that He needed me to be in. 
We're word first people. We are word and spirit church. Say that with me. We are a word and spirit church. What does that mean? It means as a church, we have a rudder. We know our direction. But we're also empowered by the Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power, by say power, and in the Spirit. It's both working together. Paul was saying, man, you guys are excited. You love coming to church here, but it wasn't because I'm a great preacher. It was the Word and the Spirit together. I have people that come through line almost every week. You guys are so gracious with your words. One of the things about pastoring an international church is, and I don't know why it's just different here than there's other places, but so many people come to the line and say, thank you for the word, pastor, on a weekly basis. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the word. And I'm grateful that you got the word, but what I really want is that you receive the word in power together. The word's going to give you direction, but if you come with an open heart and a mind to receive, guess what? You can go home with a word and empowerment to do that word. James said it this way, we're not just going to be hearers of the word. We've determined ourselves, we're going to be doers of the word. I'm going to take the word you gave me, pastor, and I'm going to apply the power of the Holy Spirit this week, and I'm going to see some dynamic workings, some power on my job, some power on my campus, some power in my neighborhood. Word and Spirit. I like what R.T. Kendall says. Listen to this. He says, all word and no spirit, we dry up. All spirit and no word, we blow up. But with the, both the word and the spirit, we grow up. Say it again. All word, no spirit, dries up. All spirit, no word, man, things blow up. But when you put the word and the spirit together, it causes us to, to grow up. Let me say it to you this way. The Holy Spirit is the fuel or the power needed for forward momentum to take place in your life. I was here yesterday. I've been coming up on Saturdays to, to pray for a little while in the afternoons. And I go to my office and then I bring my phone. I put it in my back pocket and put some worship music in. And I came in here to pray. And I, I started thinking of the movie Tommy Boy. Okay, y'all aren't so religious. Good. Because I kept thinking about Tommy Boy when he's sitting in that boat and he's yelling at his dead dad. He's saying, hey, need a little wind here. There's a lot of churches that need to have that cry of, hey, we can use a little wind here. Because we look like a fat guy in a boat just here to consume. And God's saying, I didn't create the boat for you to sit. I put you in the boat as a transportation method to get you where you need to be. What is that boat, the local body, the church, us together, doing what? On a journey, on a mission to where he sent us. So let me ask you, where has he sent you? What has he called you to do? Which direction is the rudder in your life pointed? And then my next question is, if you know which direction he's called you to go, have you received the power to get there yet? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to push you in the direction that you need to be. 
The truth is, is no matter what you're called to be, even if you've recognized your destiny and your purpose, without the power, you're dead in the water. We see this in the book of Acts. The disciples needed the wind of the Spirit to empower them. They needed the power to establish the early church. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, listen, as Jesus is resurrected from the dead and He's hanging out with the disciples, and they're saying, wait, you were dead, now you're alive, and what's going on? He's saying, I'm getting ready to leave again, boys. Hang on. (laughs) There's another chapter coming, and he says, you need to go and wait in the upper room. Listen, he says, you shall receive power, which is ability. It's efficiency. That power is great might. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall then be my witnesses. That's the purpose. You need the power, the ability, the efficiency to do what? To be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very bounds of the earth. Jesus was telling the disciples, I gave you a mission, remember? Now you're going to need the power to fulfill the mission. He's saying there's a wind of the Spirit coming to you. We continue in Acts chapter 2, we see... It says on the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. All the disciples were there where he told them they were at the place of the Last Supper where they had dinner before he died. And it says they were gathered in one place and suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of what? Rushing into the house from the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering It was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. And it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. And then they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they were inspired. Speak in tongues. Here it is again, empowered by the Spirit. To speak in languages they had never learned how to speak before. If it was good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for us. If the disciples, those that walked with Christ for three years, needed empowerment to do their job, to do their task, to bid His calling, however you want to write it out, then how much more do you and I in 2022, need the power of the Holy Spirit. How much more then than do you and I need the wind, the, the ruach, the breath of God in our life? I want to take the next few minutes as we finish today to talk about how to catch the wind. I want to talk about how to be a wind catcher, how to, how to, how to, how to make sure that you don't miss a move of God in your life personally. How do we not miss a move of God in our life as a church? Here's the first point. You've got to position yourself in the wind. You've got to position yourself. The disciples didn't know what was going to happen in the upper room, but they knew where it was going to happen. They knew where he was going to show up. You know, as a kid, I, we love flying kites. I have, I have three brothers, a sister. You know, we love flying kites. And, and, and the kites need what? Oh, yeah. I grew up in Illinois, central Illinois as a kid. My parents were church planted. It was cornfields and soybean fields as far as you could see. And some days there'd be great wind, and then some days it'd just stale air, no wind. 
But I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and to go to college and then Bible school and then mission school. And the different thing about Tulsa was, man, the wind in Tulsa blew quite a bit. It was in the plains of Oklahoma. And I was at my house one day, and I was thinking, man, I want to go fly that cool kite that I've got in storage. And, and then I, I realized there's no wind outside. And I was telling somebody about flying kites. They said, well, you could go down to the river. The Arkansas River runs right through Tulsa. And, man, there's a great wind that comes off that river. And I remember driving over to the river thinking, I don't know why it's going to be windier over here than it would be where I lived. But the truth was is there was no trees and there was no buildings and no skyscrapers to block the wind down there. And when I get down there, man, there was a fresh wind all the time. And you could fly kites all day long near the river. I moved to California in 2005. I found something greater than a river. I went to the beach. God bless the beach. Jesus loves the beach. Thus saith the Lord. It's true. Look it up in your book. They always found him at the beach hanging out. Cooking fish, by the way. When we went to California, I would go to the beach and see people flying kites all over the place. Why? There was a greater wind coming off the coast. For you and I, if we're going to put up our sails, that's important. But we've got to put ourselves in a position where the wind is blowing. For some of us today, that wind is blowing in the small group ministry at IFC, and you're going to have to position yourself with some other men and women who the breath of God is blowing into their life. For me, I come on Sundays knowing that there's something special that happens here during the worship time that, that the breath of God, the, the wind of God's going to blow. And I position myself here in the service saying, Lord, blow your breath on me. In the late 90s, early 2000s, I began to hear about a church in Oklahoma that was experiencing what I would consider a great stirring, a great, a great wind had been blowing through this place. And so I drove as a young man. I would drive 12 hours through the night to, to get to this church just to be in the service because I was hearing stories about God moving and great things happening. And man, I would drive there for a purpose. What was I doing to position myself? In that room, that if God was going to blow in that room, I wanted to be there. As a young man, 16, 17 years old, we had a youth camp at our church, a big youth camp, revival, whatever you want to call it, a week-long crusade thing, and God's Spirit began to move. I was probably 16, 17 years old, and hundreds of students had come all over from all over the Gulf Coast. God began to do something. There were some students there from a little place called Brownsville, Pensacola. Pensacola, Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola. And it was a few weeks after that conference where we were all gathered together with churches in the region that things began to happen at Brownsville. You can Google it in the early 90s. I think it was 94, maybe 95. Then something began to happen in this church of Pensacola, a little assembly of God church where the breath of God began to blow in there and we began to hear rumblings of it. And we, people say, oh, we're going down to Brownsville tonight. I'm like, what's going on at Brownsville? Well, don't you know revival's happening down there? What, what were they saying? Man, the Ruach, the, the wind of God was showing up. People were getting healed. They were getting delivered. People were getting saved. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And for year after year after year after year, you can Google it, Brownsville Revival, man. Something happened in the city of Pensacola that had never happened before. What was it? It was people positioning themselves. Help me preach for a minute. Positioning themselves. 
allowing God to breathe into their lives. The second thing we have to do if we're going to catch the wind is we have to live with expectation. Faith is required. You know, we talk a lot, we don't talk about it a lot here, but denominational churches talk a lot about the sovereignty of God. God can do whatever He wants to do. And that is true, but God also likes to work with willing people. Why does God show up in some churches more than another or in prayer meetings more than another and worship sets more than another? It's, it's because he's looking for people who not only position themselves, but they came with an expectation that he was going to show up and breathe on them. Faith is required to receive what God has for us. The disciples were told to go and wait what were they doing? They were preparing themselves, getting ready. How do, you, how do you prepare yourself for the breath of God or the wind of God to blow in your life? For each one of us, it's probably something different, but if you'll give me just a minute, I want to just share with you practically how I've done it over the years, and, and it's actually practical things, not spiritual things. Practically, I come to church, and I like to sit down front. I love all y'all folks on the front row. Yeah, come on. I do. There's something about front row people because they came with a, an expectation. I hate being late to anything, my wife will tell you. I don't like being late because I never want to sit in the back. Whether it's a concert or a birthday party, I don't want to be late because I want to be right up front. If something's going to happen, I want to be a part of it. My grandmother used to have a saying. She'd say, I want to sit down front under the spout where the glory comes out. What was she saying? She was like, I'm coming with expectation. If God's going to move, I want to be right there. For me, during worship, I, I like to lift my hands. Would you just lift your hands right now, right where you're at? For some of us, this is weird. You're like, what are we doing? This is an outward sign of surrender. If someone put a gun in your face, what's the first thing you do? You throw your hands and say, dude, <laughs> take whatever you want, man. Take it all. Look, put your hands back up just for a second. But here's what it also does. This is not only a sign of surrender, but it's also a sign of fill me up. I'm releasing what I have. And Lord, put something in my hands. Put something in me. You can put your hands down. I, I, I did that for an example. Because I think as a church, that, that has to be a shift that we begin to make in worship. A simple sign of surrender to say, Lord, we surrender to you, but, but we're asking you to breathe on us, to, to blow the wind of your spirit in here. And we want it. Bring it all. We receive it. Those simple switches right there where you come with expectation and then you raise your hand. What, what is that? It's just a simple shift that the Holy Spirit takes, recognize, oh, these people are serious. Oh, they're really expecting me to do something. They're, they're really expecting change. They really need fresh wind. The other thing I do is I open my mouth. I don't like all the songs we sing. Don't laugh. You don't like all of them either. You know what? There's different songs that minister to different people. That's why we sing songs. Me and Jamie were talking about, we sang 66 different songs last year. 66 different songs. Why do we do that? Because some songs speak to different people, and it engages them in the spirit. In others, it's a different song. But here's the thing. I sing them by faith, even the ones I don't like. Even the ones I don't understand. 
You know what I love? When we do the songs in Brazilian or Spanish, I don't speak either one of those languages. You know what? But I read the words on the screen and I say them by faith. What am I doing? I'm telling the Lord. I'm telling the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, I came to get something. I open my mouth. I'm, I'm engaging him with the word. In those early meetings, they turn my clock. Oh, there's the clock. I was going to say, they turn my clock up. I can just go the rest of the afternoon. I got pizza coming. Don't worry. I ordered pizza for everybody. In those early meetings that I was telling you that I would drive all night to go to Tulsa, there was some weird junk that happened in those meetings. Like people shaking. You ever been in a service where people started shaking? Your first response is, they're weird. They're weird. And then there were services that I was in and people started laughing. Like a couple of them started laughing over here. And then all of a sudden, like they all start laughing. And I'm thinking, what are they laughing at? What did he say? And all of a sudden, like this whole section's laughing. And I'm thinking, this is so distracting. You ever been in those services? How about a service where like the music picked up and people got really excited and then someone, someone got really excited and took off and started running across the room? Y'all been to Pentecostal church? Where's all my Pentecostals at? Yeah, that was these kind of meetings. Like you never knew what was going to happen. And I drove all night to get there to sit on the front row to raise my hands and to sing these songs. But there came a time where I was like, they're getting something I'm not getting. And so it was times where like the Spirit of God would begin to break out and these people would just start like dancing and driving like Kevin does, man, they're going crazy. And I just started realizing, I'm sitting over here with, and I moved over and I started kind of dancing and kind of grooving. And you know what? I got to be honest with you, I felt weird, but I was doing it by faith. And I can tell you this, I got in the car and I drove home and I thought, something happened in me tonight. Something was different. What was it? It was me coming with expectation and willing to do something by faith. I remember being in those meetings and it was just crazy. And the worship team was cranking and people started running. And I thought, how silly is this? And then I saw the joy on them. I saw the peace on them. I saw this excitement on them. And I came back that next night and I said, I hope somebody runs tonight because I'm going to run with them. I came like I'm running. Like I know I'm running. I wore my good shoes, not the, not the dress shoes that would slide around. I, Somebody took off running, and I sat there. And it was only one person. And the, the enemy told me, see, you missed it, dummy. You weren't ready. And I'm condemning myself, thinking I just missed something. And then all of a sudden, two or three people got took off running. I didn't feel like running. I just took off running and chased them around the room. And I caught up with them, and I lapped them around here. And I remember, it's like the second time around, like something happened in my heart. You know what it was? It was like that religious junk fell off of me and I didn't care about what you thought. All I cared about was what he wanted to do in my life. For some of us, we've got to get back to that. They hear me. I'm not talking about we need to have running services or shaking services or laughing services. I'm not talking about that. That's what God was doing then. The question is, what is he doing now? We can run around the room just for the fun of it, just to relive those days and that's all it will be. And we can laugh and giggle and we can start that on ourselves. And that's all it will be is a reproduction of what God was doing in the past.
We could shake and do all that stuff, and all it would be is an imitation or reproduction of what he's done in the past. The question is, what does God want to do in this season, in this house, in your life? What does the breath of God look like in the seasons to come? Which leads me to my third point, and that is, you have to cooperate with the wind. Position yourself. Live with expectation, but then you have to cooperate. What does that mean? It means be go with the flow. Don't try to put God in a box of what he did yesterday. There's churches today that they're running and running and running. And and, and, and I'll be be honest with you, a lot of it's just flesh because that's where God was in the last season. And they don't know how to unhook from that. And so they're just reproducing it. But there's no more power in that. God wants to do something fresh and something new. These sails, they have to be trimmed to adjust for the wind who wrote this down this is what the Lord told me this morning for me and I give it to you he said I will not adjust to you you must adjust to me why is there no wind we got all the sails up they're in the wrong direction you're looking for the wind from the north when really the wind is coming from the south it's our job as believers to be sensitive to the Spirit of God in the direction in which He blows and is moving, and we reposition ourselves. We trim our sails to catch His wind. In 1 Kings 19, God told Elijah, go and stand on the mountain before God. What's He telling him? Position yourself. He said, and the Lord's going to pass by there. And then a great strong wind came and broke the rocks into pieces. The Lord wasn't in that wind. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle stillness, a still small voice, Sometimes when it's just a voice, it feels like breath. Just say this to you, like, don't get enamored with the fire of God when He wants to just whisper in your ear. Don't confuse an anointed service just because people were running. Don't get confused or get enamored or caught up in, this is how it has to happen, or it's not God. As long as it's in the book and it's led by the Spirit, guess what? He'll show up anywhere where there's a hungry group of people willing to ebb and flow with Him. And I want to say this to you. It may not look like yesterday's anointing. I'll finish with this closing. Listen to this. R.T. Kendall. Maybe I'll pick up here next week and we'll go one more round. Sometimes the greatest opposition to what God wants to do next comes from those who were on the cutting edge of what God did last. Sometimes the greatest opposition, the force that's that's holding something back is those that were on the cutting edge of what He did last. This is a word of correction for all of us. Gentle correction. Don't go get so enamored with what God did yesterday in your life that He doesn't have room to move in your life today. Don't get so enamored or the way that things have been done with the worship team 
in the past because maybe God wants to do something new and fresh with this team in the future. Don't get so locked into the way that I've preached for the last 10 months that if God wanted to do something different or speak something different through me, that it would throw you off. For me and my house, I'm going to be fluid. Lord, what do you want to do? We're in. Which way are you going right now? We're going we're to we're stick our toe in that river. Oh, the current's going that way. Okay, we can adjust and get in there. Let me ask you this. What would happen with a group of people like this when we all came with a purpose in mind that we were going to position ourselves, we were going to come with expectation, and then when the Holy Spirit showed up in our services, in our small groups, in our men's events, in our prayer meetings, and in our youth group, in our young adult ministry, in our kids' classrooms, that we would just trim our sails to adjust with Him. I really believe what would happen is we would feel something fresh and new from the presence and the Spirit of God. Does that bear witness with you today? For some of us, we're looking for fresh life. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we're looking for the wind of the Spirit to blow junk out of our life so it's clear again. Next week, maybe I'll talk about all the different purposes and functions of wind, but I'll say this one as we close. One function of the wind is to clear up messiness. We lived south of L.A. for years, and from where we lived, I could see the, the smog over L.A. County. And I lived an hour and 15 minutes from there. I could see the haze over the town. When I was doing a lot of work in the Philippines, there was, a less, there was not a lot of air movement. And so in the Philippines where we were, you could see the diesel fumes, these purple fumes, rolling down the streets. Before masks were popular, when I would travel there, I would wear a handkerchief, and at the end of the day, there would be a black mark where it was over my mouth as a filter. When we were living in the San Diego area, they would talk about, hey, we need, a new, we need a wind to come blow through L.A. because there's so much smog, the toxicity in the air is causing people to get sick. And they would even say the smog level is at this level, stay inside. And one morning you'd wake up and it was like nothing ever happened. Fresh, clean air, what happened? A coastal wind came and blew all that junk out of the air. And it was fresh again. My prayer for you today is that the wind of God would blow through your life and clean out any haze or anything that would try to stop you, confuse you, distract you. So, Lord, right now we lift our hands. Again, as a sign of surrender, we ask you to have your way in our lives. Holy Spirit, we make room for you in our services. Lead us and guide us give you all the glory in Jesus name with your heads bowed and your hands down one last important thing I want to do I said at the beginning the most important message to an unbeliever is the message of Jesus if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord as your Savior as your friend today's your day a new life starts when we recognize that we're sinners and that Jesus paid the price to erase our sin and reconnect us with the God, our Father. Before we go, I want to give you that opportunity. If you're here today and you say, I've never received Jesus, 
I need a fresh start in my life. I need that fresh wind to blow all the junk out. It starts with Jesus in your heart. All across this auditorium, if that's you, you say, Pastor, pray for me. Just put your hand up real quick and wave it at me and put it right back down. I want to pray for you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yes, sir, I see you. I see you. Yes, ma'am. I got you guys. Awesome. It takes courage to make a change. It takes courage to start over. It takes courage to follow Jesus. Anybody else? You say, I want to join these courageous people. I see you, buddy. Yeah. I see you in the back. Man, all over this auditorium, watch it online. Let them know right there in the chat box. Hey, hi, Pastor. I need prayer. They're going to pray with you. Would you pray this prayer out of your heart? Whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't raise your hand, just pray this right out of your spirit. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for me, paid the price for my sins. Today, I'm forgiven. Today, I choose Jesus. Amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer?